Kent Online News. News you can trust. This is the Kent Online Podcast. Lucy Hickmott. Hello, hope you're okay. Thanks ever so much for downloading today's podcast on Friday the 1st of March. First up, people living in part of Hythe are calling for closer monitoring of water levels after a canal burst its banks and flooded their homes. More than 10 properties in Romney Way have been affected this week. Our reporter Louis Walker has been speaking to residents and joins me now to discuss the problem. So how bad has the flooding been? Water didn't visibly enter anyone's homes, but there was one resident who had to pump water from around his property for over four hours in the evening. Another resident, Marlon Harmon, actually has invested in his own pump because he wants to take up his floor over concerns water has gone in through the air bricks and could potentially cause problems down the line to the wooden supports underneath the property. I think it's important to say as well that some residents were scared. They didn't know what to do. I spoke to Maureen Adaway, who's in her 80s, and she actually put a call into Kent Fire and Rescue Service when she saw the water levels rising. Thankfully, this then led to Folkestone High District Council delivering the sandbags, which were a great help and the only support that residents received. Another resident I spoke to, Ray Reddin, was actually just left to assess the damage after the flood. He had water go into his garage, and while I was there, he was telling me how he'd already removed gallons and gallons of water from the garage and really just had to see what was affected by the flood. And I understand this isn't the first time it's happened. You're quite right. It was actually 22 years ago when the same part of the Royal Military Canal in Hythe burst its bank and flooded Romney Way with water. I actually spoke to one resident, Leonard Maris, who told me that he actually got off quite lucky this time in compared to 22 years ago. He returned home one evening to find the water was six inches deep just in the road and actually ended up having to claim because water damaged his utility room. So really, this time, it wasn't as bad, thankfully. What sort of response have we had from officials? Now, the response that residents received from the differing authorities is actually quite varied. For example, we had the Environment Agency in the southeast. Their responsibility is to warn and prevent against flooding. But residents of Romney Way actually didn't receive any warning that flooding was going to happen. I was able to speak to them afterwards and they explained to me what had happened that caused the flooding. Basically, what happened was a something known as tide locking. So where the Royal Military Canal in Hyde is tidal, it discharges into the sea. But where we experienced a spring high tide, it meant that water wasn't able to get out as effectively. So that mixed with the already high levels of water in the canal is what caused the flooding at Romney Way. In comparison, Folkestone Hyde District Council, who delivered the sandbags to Romney Way, it was their maintenance officers who had calls put into them after some residents contacted the Kent Fire and Rescue Service. And this was actually really helpful for residents, and it's some of the only support they received during the floods. Thanks, Louis. Kent Online News. The driver of a private ambulance has died after a head-on crash near the M2 in Faversham. The vehicle collided with a truck on the A251 yesterday afternoon. A man in his 50s was declared dead at the scene. Investigators are keen to speak to witnesses or anyone with dashcam footage. There's been a 50% increase in the number of reports of child abuse image crimes in Kent in five years. Figures from the NSPCC show more than 1,500 offences were recorded last year. The charity's calling on tech companies to do more and for regulators to enforce the Online Safety Act. 
Police searching for a man who went missing from Tunbridge Wells have found a body. 23-year-old Tom Brockman disappeared on Wednesday evening. Yesterday, his friends and family gathered to search for him. The discovery was made in countryside near Lye. Officers say his death is not being treated as suspicious. Now it's emerged parents are going to extreme lengths to get their child into a good school in Kent, including lying about where they live. Some families have rented properties but not lived in them. Others have used relatives' addresses. Over the past three years, the county council says it's resulted in 36 primary places being withdrawn. Gary Ratcliffe is the CEO of the Golden Thread Alliance that has schools in Gravesham and Dartford. The whole process is still managed by the local authority. They are the people that manage that process for us. And then we take part in that process by ranking every application that we get on a set criteria, including whether a child is looked after, um, is adopted, has a special educational need or disability, has a sibling in the school, or the proximity to the address of the family who is applying for a place in the school. And for some of our schools, we are finding it a significant issue that firstly, the number of applicants is significantly higher than the number of places. So we may have six or eight times the number of applicants than there are the number of places. And so for that reason, there is naturally some competition for those places. And the admissions rules are really clear that it needs to be a permanent address for a child that is living in order for that to be put on the application form. It is absolutely variable across my nine schools, how that affects each school. But we have been absolutely part of this issue this year, where we have families who are using other addresses to actually um, ensure that they get a place in one of our schools. And then, of course, it is the responsibility of us to check all of that information that comes in to make sure that we are issuing places to the right children, which is not the easiest thing to do because parents have to, on point of admission, provide a number of pieces of evidence in order to satisfy the admissions criteria. So, for example, it might be the child's birth certificate or the child's passport, a letter from their GP. It might be a bank statement of the parent. It might be a council tax bill in order to provide proof of address and proof of identity. And we know that we have um, to, to make those checks as robust and as stringent as they possibly can be so that we're being fair to all families. However, I think the big challenge here is the line that schools need to keep on in terms of the fact we are not um, private detectives. We can't be deploying staff to go and um, stake out a particular house to make sure that a family is actually living there. And we have to take the trust and the word of applicants for our school places if they are providing the correct ID and proof of address. So particularly in one of my schools at the moment, I know we have a real um, local community issue where some members of the community feel that a place has been offered to a particular family that don't live in the area. However, from the school's perspective, they've checked the ID, they've checked the proof of address, 
And we are at a loss to how to prove further that the family are not in receipt of a school place in the most appropriate way. Well, it comes as thousands of Year 6 pupils across Kent find out which secondary school they've got a place at for September. Letters and emails are being sent to parents, with 78% getting their first choice this year. Graham Jones is an education lawyer at Whitehead Moncton Solicitors in Maidstone. He's been chatting to Kate with advice for parents who aren't happy with the place they've been offered. First thing to say is don't panic. Check the school that you have been offered hopefully it'll be one of the ones on your list go and visit it if you haven't already done so um, look at the Ofsted make some more inquiries about the school maybe go and meet the head teacher but what you must do is accept it because if you don't accept the place by the 15th of March you will lose it and there's no guarantee absolute that you will get have a place at a school come September Now, there's no prejudice in accepting it. You're still entitled to lodge an appeal for the school of your choice, but you really need to accept where you've been offered as a safety net. So imagine, for example, a student's been offered a place in a secondary school that they're not happy with, they really don't want to attend and they want to appeal. How does that process work? Yes, there there is an appeal process. Now, you need to submit an appeal by the 28th of March this year. And if you do submit the appeal by the 28th of March, it will be heard by the 17th of June. So you will know in good time before the start of the next academic year where you're going. If you don't meet that deadline, they will try and hear your appeal within 40 days of the deadline or if not, within 30 days of the date you file the appeal. Council bosses say 743 children, which is 4% of the total, have been offered a place at a school that wasn't on their list of preferences. They can request to join a waiting list if they want. Kent Online reports. It's been ruled neglect and gross failings contributed to the death of a patient at a mental health hospital in Kent. Jonathan O'Shea from Sevenoaks was able to take his own life at Littlebrook Hospital in Dartford in March 2023. An inquest juries found staff also missed opportunities to liaise with the 37-year-old's family. The Kent and Medway NHS and Social Care Partnership Trust has apologised. Council bosses in Medway have avoided having to file for bankruptcy after being allowed to borrow extra cash to balance their books. The government's granted a request for exceptional financial support after the local authority wrote to them asking for an additional £14.7 million. The money is only a loan and will eventually have to be paid back. Network Rail say repair work following a landslip at Newington is now 75% complete. Engineers have been stabilising the embankment after a crack appeared last week. Project Operations Manager Nad Campbell has been giving us an update on how it's going. We're excavating the material from the train wagons onto the slope, which is a loading area. And that's being disputed across the embankment so that we can then compact it and stabilise it in sections until we reach the crest of the uh, embankment. No trains have been running between Sittingbourne and Raynham, but the line's due to reopen on Monday. Andy Commons is from South Eastern. We recognise that the impact on customers this week has, has been really profound. This is a very busy stretch of railway, but it's, it was a very serious failure and it's absolutely right that Network Rail get in and, and make it safe. Our advice to customers this week is, is to check their journey. What we've actually put in place is a really comprehensive bus replacement service. 
we completely recognise buses are and never as convenient as trains, but it does provide options either to go to nearby stations and, and to make alternative routes in, into London or, or to elsewhere in Kent. Um, what we've also done is relax ticket restrictions. So um, if it's easier for you perhaps to drive to a different station, that is absolutely fine. Your ticket will be valid and we'll also reimburse for your parking. Um, and if you decide not to travel at all, we, we have compensation available and we would genuinely urge customers to look into that compensation and make sure you speak to us and, and make a claim because we don't want people to be out of pocket for something that's completely outside of their control. So we'd encourage customers to talk to us, understand the um, options available to them uh, and we look forward to reopening the line. A consultation's been launched on potential job losses at the Kent and Canterbury Hospital. Bosses say they need to address financial strains but will do everything they can to avoid redundancies as they look to cut administrative roles. A man who tried to smuggle drugs into Kent through the Channel Tunnel has been jailed for three years. Border Force officers found 14 kilos of a synthetic substance known as monkey dust at the terminal in France last November. 64-year-old Peter Harness from Immingham in Lincolnshire claimed he was returning from a business trip in Holland. A person's been treated for smoke inhalation after a fire in Dartford. Emergency crews were called to Mount Pleasant Road yesterday evening. The blaze was caused by overheated cooking in the kitchen. Kent Online reports. Plans for 39 homes in Shepherdswell near Dover have been approved despite 130 objections. Houses and bungalows are going to be built on two adjoining parcels of land in St Andrew's Gardens, but residents aren't happy. John Belatis is chairman of the Shepherd well parish council we've been campaigning against this now for a number of years it's an intrusion into the countryside into the into the village into the community the infrastructure isn't there to support this particular development and there's also a big issue about safety the developers have been have been ignoring the advice of the fire brigade they're putting local residents at risk by not putting a, a, a decent secondary access, emergency access that fire engines, ambulances can get through. So it's been a setback tonight, but there's still a long way to go and we're going to continue to fight. Architects say the properties will be in keeping with the surrounding context and minimise impact on nearby dwellings. Parking spaces will also be included and bosses say it'll bring economic benefits to the area. A Kent Hotel has made a prestigious list of the best places to stay in 2024. Boys Hall in Willsborough near Ashford tops the South East Guide, put together by the Times and Sunday Times. It opened in September 2022 and was also added to the Michelin Guide last year. A Medway pub is reopening today after a £185,000 revamp. The Angel on Lower Raynham Road has been taken over by a group of friends who launched a pub management firm around a year ago. Malcolm Collins is the co-director of Vesta Pubs. Hopefully for a year we'll have plenty of events on such as um, live music, bands, DJs, um, other little events like ladies' nights and uh, psychic nights and, and various nights throughout the year, something different all the time. Um, we're celebrating the, the common events of the year like Christmas and stuff like that and Halloween and parties, so there'll be fancy dress parties and things like that. So something for everyone to get involved with, with their families and kids and grandparents and whoever. There's been a, a heavy investment of over £100,000 into the pub um, to decorate, new bar, make sure there's um, new products on the shelves and things like that. So where the pub trade is dying, 
we want to kind of rejuvenate it and, and move with the times and be a little bit more modern because it's not the old school days of male-dominated pubs. More families, more females, more more children are, are going into pubs with their families. And, and I grew up with a mother and father who used to go in the pub all the time, so I, I, I get it. And I get how funny it was as a kid as well, really. We're as excited as the community, and hopefully, and we feel like people have heard about us and things like that, and what we have done before. So I think they're, they're excited about us coming and bringing that same vibe. You can see pictures of the pub at Kent Online. While you're there, you can also check out this week's secret drinker review. Our undercover reporters visited the Castle Hotel on Ainsford High Street near Swanley. Now, as we head into the weekend, we've got plenty of rainy day activities and events going on in the county. Our What's On editor Sam Laurie has more details. I hope you've had a great week so far and are feeling raring to go for the weekend because I've got a few great shows and family days out that you won't want to miss over the next couple of days. We're starting with a stand-up comedy show tonight at the Marlowe Theatre in Canterbury with none other than recent Taskmaster contestant Lucy Beaumont. She might not have smashed every challenge on the panel show, but her hilarious antics during the latest season have teed her up nicely for a new tour, The Trouble and Strife. She's also known for her TV show, Meet the Richardsons, with her husband, John Richardson, and her award-winning runs at the Edinburgh Fringe Festival. There's more laughs to be had at the Canterbury Theatre over the weekend, as the Marlowe's regular comedy night returns. This month's Live at the Marlowe is an all-female lineup with a headline set from sex education star Sindhu V. She will be joined by Canterbury-born comic Harriet Kemsley, Too Hot to Handle host Desiree Birch, and Jen Brister, whose TV special Meaningless is on Amazon Prime. You can catch all of them on Saturday night at the Marlowe Theatre. Speaking of great theatre, the show-stopping rock opera Jesus Christ Superstar is still at the Churchill Theatre in Bromley until Saturday night, with comedian Julian Clary starring as Herod, so you've got one last chance to catch it before it moves on as part of its UK tour. And one last show that's worth watching this weekend, Strictly's King of Ballroom, Anton Dubeck, is bringing his all-singing, all-dancing extravaganza to Kent. The dancer and TV judge is taking his solo tour across the country, including a night at the Orchard West Theatre in Dartford on Sunday. If you're looking for a little fresh air and something you can do with the whole family, the Call the Midwife tours return to the historic dockyard in Chatham for another season from today. The tours take visitors around the set of the BBC period drama, including real-life filming locations and fascinating facts from an expert tour guide. It's also a great way to see the historic dockyard and don't forget it could make a perfect present for Mother's Day next weekend. And finally, if you really want to enjoy the great outdoors this weekend, the Maidstone Road Run returns on Sunday. The annual run starts from the Cornwallis Academy and there's a number of different routes you can take, from the Shaun the Sheep family fun run to the competitive half marathon. The event will help raise funds for the Heart of Kent Hospice and you can still sign up by heading to the Heart of Kent Hospice website. So grab your running trainers and head out with the family to enjoy a fantastic weekend ahead. Thanks, Sam. Kent Online Sports. Football and Gillingham will be hoping to climb back into the League Two playoff places this weekend. They travel to take on Salford City. It follows a 1-0 win over Wrexham last time out. Tim Dean scored the winner and says he's looking forward to it. I think we've got all, all it takes to, um, to get into the playoffs. We just need to, uh, to produce on, on game day and um, yeah, working hard in training to, to do so. So um, yeah, I'm, I'm confident. Are confident that we can do it. 
Uh, it's going to be a good game. It's going to be a tough game like every game in League 2 uh, this season. Um, but yeah, we worked hard this, this, this week. I think we, we trained well and uh, we, we've got that confidence from uh, last Saturday. So we're going to go there full of confidence and hopefully we, we produce a good performance and, and take the, the three points. Mm. Obviously, we, we watch other teams uh, before playing them. So yeah. like we do video uh, sessions. So I'm aware of that. But other than that, I'm not, I don't really pay attention to other teams. I just focus on myself and, 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 and my team. You mentioned the closeness of the team and stuff like yeah. that. Maybe you had that extra, like yeah. you said. That's, that's a key attribute, is it, to, to have been successful? Yeah, it is. It is, because we go to, to war together, to, to, to battle together on the pitch. And, um, yeah, to, to, be, to have a close group is helping. Like, for example, on the pitch, we make more effort to cover your, your yeah. teammate because you like him and... and I think that, that plays a big part of a, of a successful team. Kick-off tomorrow's at three. And finally, Maidstone's Alessia Russo has been back to her old club as part of a push to promote girls' football. The Arsenal and England striker led a training session at Bearstead FC and praised staff and players. She's been chatting to our sports reporter, Craig Tucker. It's really special. It's always nice to come back and, and see all the girls and... Yeah, the people that were here when I was here as well, the coaches, and yeah, they had a massive impact on my journey and my career as a player. So um, yeah, it's nice to come back. She must spark loads of memories to see those youngsters out there and, and the, the reception you got as well. Yeah, I used to have loads of fond memories down here, um, playing week in, week out with the boys and with the girls and then the tournaments in the summer. So um, yeah, it's always nice to come back and see the, the future stars that are coming through. How important is it to you to maintain those links with the, with the club? Massive. I think, for me, they were a, a key part in my journey and my career. So to come back and even just see everyone and, and pay a little bit of return and thanks to them for, uh, for everything that they did for me is, yeah, it's always important to me to do that. And these plans I've spoken about today, they're ambitious plans, but they're confident, they seem really passionate about sort of bringing them to fruition. For sure. Um, and I think it's a club filled with great players and great people. So for them to keep pushing the club and the facilities and trying to take it to that next level is really important to everyone here at the club because they have high ambitions and, and high aspirations for everyone here. Fantastic. I want to ask about post-Euros. We spoke before the Euros and I wondered how your life had changed since then. Obviously, you were well-known before the Euros, but since the Euros, it must have gone to a whole other level. Yeah, the Euros was a bit of a watershed moment. Um, everything kind of changed, but we'd been wanting that for women's football for a long time. We'd been wanting those kinds of stages and for us to, to win at home at Wembley, um, yeah, made it even more special. So, yeah, life is definitely different, um, but yeah, you wouldn't change it because it's what we've been wanting for young girls so they can grow up, grow up and see and dream that they can do it too because they definitely can and, and there's definitely a massive place for women's football here. That's all from us today. Thanks ever so much for listening. Don't forget you can follow us on Facebook, X, Instagram, TikTok and Threads. You can also get details on the top stories direct to your email each morning via the briefing. To sign up, just head to kentonline.co.uk. News you can trust. This is the Kent Online Podcast.